This is Open Encounters. Hear the voices of the people who have crossed the Mediterranean Sea. Now they're on their next journey of settling their lives in Italy and beyond. Their voices on Open Encounters from migrants of the Mediterranean. Really, for those brothers and sisters that uh, do that, I, I, I really, really hope they are all well because, uh, wow, the emotional impact, psychological impact is not insignificant. Hello and welcome to Open Encounters. Welcome to our new listeners. Welcome to our regular listeners. You've been patient waiting for this episode, and I'm really excited to give it to you. Here's why. Okay, everybody knows we usually talk to people in the migrant community here. These are the people who we profile on the site at Migrants of the Mediterranean. Today, we're going in a different direction. Today, we're bringing in some new voices. These are the voices of, or the voice of so far, of a rescuer who's in the rescue community. This is somebody who's actually saved human beings at sea. This is really important to the arc of history that we're starting to create with the work that we do because history and the stories of the people you meet don't just begin once they come to land on Lampedusa or elsewhere in Sicily or Italy. It starts out at sea. Somebody actually had to save them. So who are those people? Well, that's what I want to get to the bottom of. And today, we're speaking to Francesco Tripoli. Francesco was aboard the Sea Watch 2 as a cook between 2017 and 2018. But Francesco also assisted during distress calls. He was actually on the water, pulling people out of the water to safety. We thank Francesco not just for his time being a guest on this podcast and giving us his testimony and giving us an idea, too, of just what it looks like, sounds like, feels like out at sea. We don't know these things, you know? We really need the people who have experienced it to tell us. But we thank him for his service to humanity. If it wasn't for him and people like him, lives would be lost. And I'm really pleased to introduce, without further ado, Francesco Tripoli in our conversation together from New York City to his farm in Portugal. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's been it's been a while since you were out at sea, right? Yeah, it's been. It feels like a, a lifetime ago. But whenever I just scratch the surface of memory, a lot comes flooding back because, um, I mean, many of the experiences, to say the least, even the texture of every day, a lot of it is visceral, you know, mm-hmm. and just be, just being on a boat, there's all this, the constant sound of the engines, even whenever right. you're, 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 you know, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, no, the boat is not just like, <laughs> like right now my my house in the countryside, right, uh, mm-hmm. outside, uh, um, well, in central Portugal here, um, it is, there's a, there's a relative silence, like I can hear cars in the background, my rooster mm-hmm. likes to talk a lot, there's like different things going on in the area, but uh, the average is really kind of chill, mm-hmm. whereas the average on the boat, um, there's always the the presence of machines right. working, grinding and combustion and yeah it's, it's not it's, 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 
it's intense. It's, I, not, I, it's not a yoga retreat, you know? No, it, no. That, I'm, I'm actually, I, that is just kind of a, a revelation to me. I, it's something I just hadn't thought of, you know, not having been on, on the sea that way. But it's true. This is a huge piece of machinery that's out there, and and there's never really any rest, is there? No, I mean, you always have to have people on watch as well as uh, specifically engineers always have to be rotating in and out of the engine rooms, Mm -hmm. uh, the various engine rooms in order to keep things in check. The amount of work that just keeps something as as significant as ship just just to keep it safely afloat, it's a significant amount of work. And, I mean, Never mind you... trying to mobilize all that energy towards right. um, a common mission. Uh, right. Like, I've been on other ships, too, like commercial ships where it's, like, a bit mindless, you mm-hmm. know? Everybody's in their own thing, but... In their own side. Uh, whenever you're talking about mm. sea rescue, there has to be another depth and degree devotion to solidarity mm. that you just I don't know it's, uh, yeah. even though it was a long time ago it's one of those things that I fondly recall the degree to which everybody is in tune wow. and working towards uh, a common goal mm-hmm. you know? wow that's really profound uh, actually it's another thing I hadn't thought of not um, being familiar as I'm sure most of the listeners are also unfamiliar with how, how things operate out at sea when you are when you're on the boat, I mean, do you actually sleep when you're out there? Is, I mean, clearly uh, there course, must be yeah, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, you know, it becomes so, uh, so precious. I mean, there are obviously different degrees of engagement. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, I mean, if you're in the SARS zone during a rescue, from what I remember, yes, sleep is truly an all the more precious luxury that has to be taken wherever it can. So it's like five minutes here, five minutes there. At least this is how it was whenever I was on. I don't know if there new protocols there was one stint where i know that i had been up for near like around 24 hours which you know i've done it before but Mm -hmm. you it's not just about being up it's Mm -hmm. it's about like the the stress that we were all under Mm -hmm. and we all take our jobs seriously but i know that i was i can be an anxious person which probably I shouldn't drink coffee as much as I do, sorry in advance for my being heavily caffeinated again. But um, the sleep becomes something as vital as water in a desert, you know? Um, yeah. And I remember one time I was, that, that time I just mentioned, 24 hours, like I was delirious that I had to take a nap and within seconds, normally I have insomnia and I mm-hmm. have difficulty sleeping, but within seconds I was out and deep. And they tried to wake me because it was at a moment whenever people were being suddenly disembarked after mm-hmm. like hours and hours and hours and hours. Actually, like I think it was near 20-some hours mm-hmm. of trying to coordinate with the, with the Italian Coast Guard mm-hmm. to trans- transport um, our guests. Uh, Mm-hmm. Our brothers and sisters, they said they were on their way and they were within minutes away. But I was asleep for a moment, mm-hmm. and 20 minutes of sleep, I mean, I was in a deep hibernation. Apparently, people tried to muster me to my point and my responsibility, but I was that dead tired. I mm-hmm. didn't immediately get up. I eventually got up, and in the the intensity of that energy of the moment of engaging with um, the Italian Coast Guards, engaging 
I don't know if that's the correct term because I think that's what mm. they use whenever there's conflict. There was no conflict. Okay. But, uh, whenever we were um, just when you joined up with them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When we joined up with them to to disembark um, our brothers and sisters. Um, uh, excuse me. I live right next to a train track in the countryside. I love it. Oh wow. This yeah, is great, so but the that little bell Roosters chiming was so idyllic and uh, charming. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> the train rushing by less so, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's amazing that we have this public infrastructure at all, considering how much it's been um, divested from. But that's another topic. <laughs> Probably. Well, let me let me ask you first to yeah, tell us what. We got to back up and let people know actually what ship you were on. Uh, when, uh, what, what mission and what ship were you on, and um, and how long did you do it? Uh, well, in all, I did five missions with mm-hmm. Sea Watch. With Sea Watch. And yeah, and they were between 2017 and 2018. Okay. They, the missions sort of blend together with particular moments that stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and set up yeah. for us what, you know, what's the step? Like, how do you, what are the steps you take to actually get out at sea? Um, you joined Sea Watch. How many people are on crew at Sea Watch when you were there in 2017? 2017, I believe we were. And that was uh, the spring 2017. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first mission I did there was in March, and um, it was my first time, actually, in, on the open water, you know? Mm. I have a, back, a food justice background where I had been involved in a number of uh, efforts to feed people, uh, especially post-catastrophes, uh, Hurricane Sandy, um, mm. as well as during the uh, blackouts, and just, uh, I grew up with a, in a family of, like, when any time people need food you feed them no matter what like mm-hmm. there's no excuse you just feed them mm-hmm. but um that first mission uh a lot of people thought i would not come back because i what suffered quite a bit from seasickness at first oh my gosh uh yeah what no, it was and no joke. It yeah was no for joke. real like, how do you get used to that i mean it <laughs> seems in- i mean it's intense right yeah, no, it was it was very intense. Like talk about bodily urges that cannot be resisted. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I I've just been on ferries first. crossing, you know, from Lampedusa to Agrigento, or mm-hmm. you know, ferry boats in 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 rough weather can make you seasick. I can't imagine yeah. being in the middle of the Mediterranean. And Sea Watch Two is def- is definitely not as big as Sea Watch Three, mm. and uh, therefore the smaller the boat, usually the bigger each wave feels, you know. Mm. And uh, in any case, I was uh, excited to be contributing to this worthwhile effort. To me, to feed those who serve the underserved is like one of the greatest honors as uh, somebody who really enjoys cooking and nurturing. So I was excited. I was super excited to put it. To- simply and uh, so you were, we so you were the cook you were the cook on on board oh yeah to me that's 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 what i do that's i awesome. mean i don't know I didn't a know lot that. about the on deck activities other than like whenever i had a moment to come up there or to feed help feed and nurture our guests mm-hmm. but yeah i just cook if i can cook for people doing good things in a world otherwise obsessed with falling apart like I've, I've, I've done okay for that day. So you're down in the kitchen galley cooking. Mm-hmm. 
for the rescued and the, and the crew, and you're seasick to death. Um, how long did it take you to get over the seasickness? How do you adjust? Well, well, fortunately, fortunately, I wasn't put to the test that much. We weren't yet in the star zone, and um, during that mission, uh, that first mission. Uh, if there were any rescues during that first mission, it was rather simple, and there was no extreme um, rescue situation. And, and when you say uh, simple, what is what is the what is the difference between a, a simple like, rescue versus one that's more complex? Well, I once again, I am not. Um, as you would I'm describe it, anyway. Yeah. Okay. As I would yeah. describe it. Uh, if you meet people in distress, that's a whole other degree of. Uh, of mobilization, stress, and anxiety mm. that uh, informs the the precious the, the preciousness of seconds. Got it. Um, so you have to move faster. Got it. So and, it's if uh, a boat is in yeah. distress, there's a whole separate protocol versus if you just come across people who are on a boat who are not in distress. That's capsized. That is uh, sinking, etc. Yeah. If we have. If, if the rescuers have time, if the rescue crew has time to essentially ensure the safety of our brothers and sisters on a boat by simply like uh, providing life vests if they don't have them, um, there's another degree of like, uh, well, there's more composure essentially. Uh, if people mm -hmm. are falling into water or the boat is deflating, if it's mm -hmm. an inflatable or it's taking on water whatever kind of boat it may be obviously there's going to be more more urgency mm -hmm. and that that contributes to stress yeah. and care like you have to be all the more careful everything mm -hmm. right every yeah. every action has a consequence so they all have to be accounted yeah. for and as you said coordinated which is pretty astonishing and and tell me again i don't know if, if i got that from you how many people are typically on board for um, a full crew uh, on the ship. Well, those missions, those missions, I believe we were twenty-two. Okay. I believe we were twenty-two. Mm -hmm. was, no, I'm sorry. Sea Watch Two might have been sixteen, and then Sea Watch Three was twenty-two. That's okay. it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And I believe I, I, I like I said, I have a little bit of a imperfect memory. No worries. But that's more or less. No worries. It's been a few years ago, too. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, already almost four years ago. I really would like to know, because I've never been out at sea this way, and I suspect the listeners, aside from the people who you have rescued, um, the people who I follow, besides them, uh, most listeners probably don't actually know what this experience is like. When you get out there, you were describing you had some seasickness and you didn't think people, you know, your people didn't think you were going to come back, but uh, for the next mission. But I mean, what does it just actually look like when you're out there? What's the feeling of being out on the open sea? And, um, and, you know, how does that change over the course of a day from sun up to sundown? Wow, that's a big question, um, but a great one. Uh, there was a lot of visceral registration of the experience so i mean as a cook my my concern is making sure that these people who are tasked with incredibly difficult work uh have the nourishment they mm. need in order to best be able to do that work because if they can't do it well mm -hmm. um that doesn't first of all reflect well on me but more importantly it's potentially dangerous right. Lives so, are at stake. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, in some cases, there's some people who kind of don't even really care about the food. They're, they're fine with eating just like white bread and like mm-hmm. anything in it or even just that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one fella, I won't mention names, like all he cared about was, I'm not plugging uh, sodas, I won't say the brand name, but he had a brand name of soda, which he wanted in huge supply. And first thing in the morning, last thing at night, didn't matter. But generally, my concern was first thing in the morning, um, start to do the prep for the day. And uh, And that meant waking up before a lot of people were Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mixing doughs, chopping vegetables, different different basic things that you might imagine a cook having to do in any kitchen. Sure, except the difference is is that you're floating out at sea and you're you're on a boat that's rocking back and forth. How do you, yeah. uh, what is, what is the experience? What is the sound? Are you, are you ever hearing the sea or is it just the turn of the machinery behind you? Another great question that invites me to reflect back. Um, there are different moments, right? Because obviously the sea is in dialogue, mm. uh, with all that is within it and mm. on it. So mm-hmm. there are moments when this, like you're lucky. It's like the the surface of the water is like glass i remember moments Mm. where it just felt like we were floating Mm. on water and then other moments when you know surely that you're being tossed and still Mm. there are rhythms like um do you get scared when you're out there when you're getting tossed when do you get scared when you're out there getting tossed around i mean i'm just saying like even from a perspective of somebody who flies in airplanes a lot like as soon as we hit turbulence i'm the first one who's like praying to the madonna like i i'm terrified and even though i know (laughs) that's just not how it works you're it's just that's what happens sometimes well maybe it works that way for you that's amazing (laughs) but no uh, the religious thing this the 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 spirit being involved whenever you are uh one is subject to tremendous vulnerability or feels their tremendous vulnerability absolutely i'm part of part of the texture of every day for me on the boat is a sense of awe it Mm. sort of underscores a lot of things because Mm -hmm. i mean part of the reason why you why to me like uh, my experience on boats and more specifically at sea rescue was so amazing and affecting was because of the degree of solidarity that is a prerequisite Mm. in society generally speaking we don't like have to get along with our neighbors Mm. it's a shame that Mm -hmm. we don't put a priority on it but there on the boat even if you don't like somebody or someone doesn't like you there has to be a commitment to each other's safety and well-being Mm. that is exemplary it's Mm. exemplary i wish like i wish we lived by that those ethics, um, those those values every day in every setting, um, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember you speaking. You asked me about like rhythms or sounds. I remember occasionally, whenever the waves were just right, there would be this beautiful like rocking and swishing sound. Mm-hmm. And I'd be in the kitchen, and of course, I learned that uh, early on, which really helped with the seasickness, not to resist. Mm. The, the movement of the boat so I actually I, I love that. dancing um, I lo- so I learned to kind of dance with the waves so you have the that mix of so the brilliant. body's movement right. vacillating undulating this way and that way 
and you're following the water. The water is essentially leading you as if you're in some sort of tank with with these primordial elements. It's quite stunning and could be just overlooked. I mean, and what a metaphor that is anyways, to not resist, to just go literally with the flow. I mean, you know. It's huge. It's huge. It's, It's going with the flow, absolutely. However, together we're like harnessing a flow mm-hmm. towards a common goal. Um, and with this thing yeah. that's totally out of your control, the sea. Yeah, I mean, captains are really important. <laughs> captains and crews, everybody knowing what to do if the water's too crazy. And I had the experience of being on sailboats in storms. That is, that's another thing. Mm. But um, I mean, Francesco, tell me about when you actually come encounter with a boat in distress um what what is your memory what is your um, what is your what's in your mind when you remember these times when you picked up other human beings who were in distress in the water well i uh i have it sort of registered in my in my in my body more than i can easily recall there's an immediate elevation of uh, stress hormones, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an activation of this this sense of um, well, there's there's an intensity. There's an intensity. There's everybody's awake and like extra extra aware mm-hmm. of everything, and everything seems all the more measured. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever there's a boat in distress, like my concern is to make sure that the rib teams, those are the the, the smaller crews that go out on the rigid hull inflatable boats. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what RIM stands for. I and, don't have the best mem- and so memory. And they go out, and I have to make sure that they have some basic snacks. So And those and boats, so people are, the, for the people who are listening, those are the boats that you guys put down on the sea to go physically out yourselves to retrieve the people who are on the other inflatable rafts who you're rescuing. Yeah, they're, they're a critical uh, rescue tool yeah Absolutely it's not critical. just the yeah, sea watch boat pulling up side to the inflatable no, raft that would be yeah. too dangerous mm-hmm. i mean a larger boat coming close to to people on uh an unseaworthy craft mm-hmm. um that larger boat could easily imperil those people mm-hmm. if you don't mind repeating your question maybe that'll help focus no me. you were you were i was um i was asking about um what your memory is of of those moments when you came encounter with human beings who were on the sea and in distress, and um... yeah, my uh, my my reflections were not truly many at the moment, and if they were, uh, they were background noise. Uh, in Did you hear? What was a moment of activity and engagement. I'm like running. I'm everybody's doing their work and that's Everyone's what I was doing. A, so it, a purpose. Yeah, everybody yeah. has a, a job to do during rescue. I, like a lot of people, just waiting to find out what could be done. Mm-hmm. And I was doing more or less what I was always doing, uh, which was cooking. Cooking and preparing and cleaning up after my crewmates. That happened a lot more than I would have liked. <laughs> but, uh, well, let but me ask you something really concrete. You were saying, I was intrigued when you said that you have a memory of um, like overhearing sounds. Now, obviously, because you are not 
one of the crew members who's dropping down on one of those rafts to go rescue people. You're not having that face-to-face with the rescued in that moment, but you're, you're, off, you're almost off stage, and, but you're hearing things anyways. What are some of the sounds that you remember from those moments when that was happening? Well, I remember simply everybody being silent on the boat, listening to the radio communication between all the various actors, whether it's MRCC and the bridge or the bridge and uh, the rescue team out on the ribs. And there is a heightened awareness and uh, everybody waiting to find out how to help the common effort mm-hmm. that's it i was um after a few days of rescue on that second mission i did in may mm-hmm. 2017 there was one stretch of time where i don't remember how many hours it was but we were engaged in rescue for a few days it seemed mm-hmm. and some of the crew were so exhausted that i was asked to go so i, I participated in a, a few rescues mm-hmm. directly and Really, for those brothers and sisters that uh, do that, mm-hmm. contribute that to the collective effort, I, I, I really, really hope they are all well because uh, wow, the emotional impact, the psychological impact is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. It is amazing to see what Europe allows to happen. What did you see? You know? What? Tell us what you saw in that time you went out. People in distress, people falling into water, and people screaming, and you having to stay absolutely calm and focused. And uh, in that particular moment, there was a there was coordination with uh, the Italian Coast Guard, and we were essentially uh, transporting uh, these brothers and sisters from the not seaworthy craft uh they were essentially it was collapsing Mm -hmm. we were transporting them to a larger italian coast guard vessel Mm -hmm. and um one of the things that struck me about the beauty among the things that i'm that have most registered within me is like the the immensity of beauty that can sometimes just be seen experienced in such spaces so I, I remember one in that same rescue um, pulling people out of the water like you have you have superhuman strength like I'm not a very I'm not a very built or strong guy but because of the adrenaline and mm-hmm. the urgency within the moment mm-hmm. you pull people out of the water as if like it's as if it's it's not that I'm saying like it's not that it's nothing mm-hmm. it's just you have the power of I don't know uh, perhaps it's all your ancestors. I don't know. Perhaps it's like the power of of just knowing that this is the work that needs to be done, the most necessary work that needs to be done, perhaps anywhere on the planet in that moment. So you have lots lots more strength. And um, I remember uh, during those those uh, trips back to, to the Italian Coast Guard ship, like a number of people were, were singing. The amount of joy, I, I really? was just... I was in awe, in absolute awe of the resilience of these brothers and sisters. And to even think for one moment that Europe, there might be people within Europe or anywhere in the world for that matter who don't believe that these people are among the most beautiful that this world has ever produced. Because 
to be able to go from essentially the brink of death to extreme gratitude. Mm-hmm. Like their gratitude was like it's something that will forever continue to inform what I hope to be, what I hope to to cultivate within myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, I am really moved by that, Francesco, because that's my experience with the people who I work with too and those people who I work with and profile on the site who we profile on the site at Migrants of the Mediterranean are only there because of people like you you and the other rescuers who have given your time to make that happen I'm of course thanking you for that um, because that is the experience I've had with them as well even once they are safely on land um, of course, a whole new set of issues uh, unfolds once they're there. But um, yeah. but that I think that feeling of being at the brink of death, as you said, um, to 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 this like sudden moment of peace and gratitude is it, it seems like such a leap for us um, because it's not something that we have been a, a situation we've been forced into a violence we've been forced into. Um, but I think um, anybody who goes through that automatically uh, must have an approach to life that um, may that it just has that's just led by more gratitude. Let's say I think that's totally true. Uh, I can I can say that in my limited experience, yeah, absolutely. I think gratitude is one of those things that must fuel their ability to to insist mm-hmm. kind of kind of like beauty you know mm-hmm. beauty persists resists and insists no matter what and like it was well exemplified by these brothers and sisters because uh, no matter how difficult their situation was um i would say that the the ecstasy the joy mm-hmm. of of just hoping, hoping to be able to, I mean, not even hoping. Maybe just being in that moment. Yeah, just being, exactly. To to, to be able to be for a little bit longer in a world that is otherwise showing itself to often be inhospitable. To have essentially uh, that that experience of inhospitality being Mm -hmm. usurped and replaced with communion, solidarity. I mean, I just think what that 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 moment must mean when you're on board there, like coming from being pulled out of the sea and suddenly just sitting still on board your the Sea Watch, and um, and there's no reality yet in front of you. You know, they haven't even landed in Lampedusa or elsewhere in Sicily. They're just they're just there, and it's this liminal space, this space in between worlds, and there's. Uh, Actually, it Thank reminds. You so much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted. It reminds you of. No, continue. No, no I, I was just going to talk more about airplanes. I always feel the same way uh, during air travel. It's like there's the takeoff and there's the landing, but this in between, you're you're fully out of control, and whatever reality is almost doesn't matter. And I I think that's might be part of the reason why I um, that I I like that experience so much is that it forces me to just live in the present moment. Absolutely. I think uh, I could use uh, your bringing up of airplanes and relate it back to this. I remember when I was a kid, whenever 
taking trips on an airplane was a, it wasn't impossible but it was a little more rare mm-hmm. and i remember that trips back and forth uh, between italy and the u.s mm-hmm. the, the flights would always w- end with uh, applause yeah <laughs> i, I love like, that hey, we made it we i made love it. that I so was, much this happens I in italy way more than it does in the states it doesn't happen in the states oh, so course. much <laughs> no i think i think it's also increasingly rare even in Italy. Yeah, I think you're right. uh, My more recent experience. It's something that, you know, as silly as it may seem, it's it's an affirmation. It's an affirmation of like, wow, we just went through something that could have gone really bad really easily. And the amount of coordination that it takes to... That's right. It's like people applaud at the end of an opera. You should applaud whenever you cross the Mediterranean or not you should applaud, excuse me, but like... There are plenty of reasons yeah. to be in awe, and uh, totally. maybe even maybe even clap. I don't. Know. I but mean, the, I, I I totally agree. I mean, it's uh, the I I love that sentiment to be giving applause to. I mean, you we can say this about so many things that happen in just the everyday mundane life here. I'm back in New York City, as you know, and uh, thankfully just five hours from where you are, closest as I can get to Europe right now. Um, but but even here, being on the on the subway, it's like okay, we can complain about the the subway in the city, and we will we will do that. However, but it's I mean it's incredible what what's actually coordinated. How many millions of people are shuttled on these these like sometimes rickety trains, uh, twenty four hours yeah. a day, or twenty two hours a day as it is right now during COVID. Um, but yeah, no, I love that, and I love uh, I love the applause at the end of a flight in Italy. It's just the, it's I one mean, of my highest work. moments. <laughs> Absolutely, as a kid, it was a part of the highlight of the trip. To be honest, uh, it was it was the I remember the ah the rooster made his appearance. I hope that he would. He's been strangely quiet today. I don't know if he's scheming or, or that whatever. That's awesome. Uh, he's been strangely quiet. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember, uh, I remember so much bringing it back to mm-hmm. my that experience, trying to draw a thread back to the, the ship. I remember mm-hmm. just everybody arriving on board, how many different expressions, mm-hmm. uh, how many different experiences were being had together whenever looking at all the the brothers and sisters as a mm. as a whole they were sharing in uh, in, uh, in in everything joy mm-hmm. tremendous sadness mm-hmm. it's like in some cases i think it was one of the first points where people could let down their guard a mm-hmm. little whereas other people continued with their guard up mm-hmm. whereas a, also a great number of people were just like kissing the half death of the mm. of the vessel and just mm-hmm. thanking whoever it was that they were thanking mm-hmm. Allah, Allah. Um, God, whomever, whomever. Say yeah, the God, Gaia, Pachamama, whatever. No, there wasn't that much Pachamama. I think, mm-hmm. considering the faith traditions of most of those folks. Mm-hmm. But um, see, this is more like him. I apologize for the. <laughs> I like it. I think it's setting a nice background track. I think it's we have a better texture of where you're at on your farm in Portugal. I'm very grateful to be able to have a garden that now requires me to care for it, you know, and animals that require me to care for them and help make sure that they're fed and safe. I love um, that. Stewardship. 
even though we're in such different uh, places right now, it's, I think that's always the thing that I think about a lot um, when it comes to these memories of remembering what you saw on the sea and what the people who you rescued saw on the sea too, is that the surroundings we're in right now are so different from that. You know, I'm in New York City, it's not Lampedusa. You're on this idyllic farm with a train passing and a rooster crowing in the background in Portugal, which is a far cry from what you saw in the middle of the sea. Um, and, and yet we can remember those moments. And I think, uh, I think that does a lot of things, but to tie it back to what we were saying, just maybe more concretely for, for the sake of this conversation today is just that I actually think there's a lot of gratitude that we can find in that, um, a lot of honor for, um, for the people um, and a lot of gratitude for the peace actually that we do have around us. Absolutely, absolutely. Gratitude is, uh, for me, like one of the only ways that I can can hope to survive this catastrophic average of civilization, like uh, where we could be organized towards nurturing life, or we could be organized as we typically are in this uh, in these societies, which is towards accumulating profits ever more for less and less people um i mean i feel that paradise or heaven is not someplace far far away but rather is here but so is hell and it's a matter of which one we want to nurture into being and i think about like everything i see everything through my my anemic political lens like i can't help but try to put something into um, a political context, or at least understand the political economy, rather. Mm-hmm. That's what I should say. Um, and yet, like, whenever I recall those experiences, the flash of, of faces, the brothers and sisters whose life story I can't, unfortunately, know about because there's no way to maintain connection, um, or, or at least no easy way. No easy but way. I have, a number of, I have a number of people who I regularly see in my mind's mm. eye, and I just wonder, I wonder, I, I wonder about the inhospitality of Europe, generally speaking, and if they were, in fact, received with any tenderness in Europe. Well, and I'm sure they were received with here and there with some, but generally speaking, not enough, not enough. Well, I, mean, I recall one. Yeah, please. No, I, I just want to say, well, I think that's the next stage, and that's part of why I'm really curious to talk to people like you, uh, rescuers, because I know that you have those faces in your mind, and you don't know who they are or what came of them. And I, our job at Migrants of the Mediterranean is to really pick up where you guys have left off and that means we track them and um, if it was ever possible you know I mean the records are so blurred right now but we do know the missions that you were on and the dates and um, and it's easy to find people who arrived at that time too I worked with some of them um, so I think that I would love to eventually find a way to connect you back to some of those people um, if not personally, then to at least know that um, maybe Sea Watch is the one who picked up, um, you know, 
our friend Moses or our friend Alaji. But it's possible. We can do that. I wish you nothing but success in helping. I mean, just to say quickly, in May 2017, if you were on mission Uh in May 2017, I was greeting people on Lampedusa who arrived then. And I mean, it seems... I don't, we'd, we'd have to kind of trace back to see where you guys went to port, but um, but that's something we can do. A lot of times when I talk to the guys, they all say um, how nice the rescuers were to them and how much they want to thank those people. They want to thank you. They do thank you for saving their lives, and um, uh, I want you to know that. Thank you for sharing that. I, well, I feel like to do otherwise... You have these organizations doing, try, attempting to do this work of triage, essentially mm-hmm. triage of humanity, mm-hmm. like um, this this rescue in an area that is proven to be one of the deadliest areas on the planet, like mm-hmm. one of the deadliest, if not the deadliest, border crossing on the planet, Correct. and to not be engaged is a crime of this catastrophic average about which I, I spoke, this mm-hmm. this inability of general European imagination or humanity's imagination more broadly to understand the degree to which we are interconnected mm-hmm. and suffering anywhere, even if it seems far away, will eventually come to inform your suffering wherever you are. It's like... Uh, so I think it's an old Judeo, Judeo-Christian thought, like, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it was Martin Luther King Jr. I forget <laughs> suffering anywhere. Anyways, anyways, I, I digress. But I, but, but I love that, yeah. and I think that's, uh, I, I love that you said that because that's exactly what we're trying to do, you know, and and that's why we're, we're we are speaking to you is to find is to draw that connection to show that. It wasn't just a story that began when people landed. It wasn't something that just happened once they were picked up. These things have coordination beyond that moment, too. And um, you are a, an elemental part of their lives and, and vice versa. So um, and so this collective, like getting your story, um, is going is gonna to begin to inform this much larger history and show the interconnectedness 100%. Shockwaves is not the word, but that's the word that comes to mind in this moment that ripples through uh, a broader imagination, stemming from projects of yours and and similar projects to actually um, reweave the social fabric, uh, this this humanity that seems in. Yeah, we're in it together. We're in it together. That got, became a bit of a cliche during COVID-19, but it's the truth. We actually are. So uh, we need each other to survive. We are. And really, if we are going to have a chance at all on this paradise planet Earth, that humans are largely not taking care of, um, they're not only not taking care of each other, they're obviously not taking care of the planet. But if we're going to make it, if we're going to have like more more beauty or be part of that beauty because beauty will persist resistance this far beyond humans but if we're going to be part of that for a while to come like we have to do it together we have to do it together. there's like no other way but doing it together 
And I would be really, really happy to connect with you again at another point and actually, yeah, ask you about specific people who who I remember. I would and, love to. Um, yeah. I would love to. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. However, yeah, I can be of service in that way. I want to be. Um, and um, and I know that the, the guys want that too. I mean, I, there's one person in particular I remember now. He always says, he's like, God, I can't. He, a, a German ship picked him up. I think it was um, CI in 2016. And he always says, God, I, I wish I could meet them again. They were so nice to me. They were so nice to me, you know. So you all are remembering each other without this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Immediately translated back to the rib. I remember him as we were as we were going to meet the Italian Coast Guard vessel. Uh, you know the, the gentleman on this little rib, uh, balancing on the water, singing. One guy <laughs> turns to me and says uh, more or less words like. Uh, well, he expressed his gratitude, and then said, he said he was so happy to go to Europe, where everybody is so nice. Oh. And um. man, I just, I just, I didn't say anything mm. in that moment, other than uh, we, something along the lines of like, Europe is so lucky to have you, brother. Uh, but obviously, I, 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 I was. They are lucky to have him. Thought. Yeah. I know. And I say the same thing too. That we're um, we're better off. I'm better off knowing them. My life is better having them in it, and um, the countries that they're in are better with them there too. And I totally agree. And so I think um, until that becomes more of a popular sentiment, it's just something we're going to have to live and extol on our own. You know. So here we are, in solidarity, yeah. my friend Francesco. <laughs> Yeah. Francesco, thank you, thank you so much Pamela. for your yeah. time. Um, thank you for, for joining us. It's so important to get your testimony of what you saw at sea uh, on the Sea Watch in 20, 2017 to 2018. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Pamela. And keep up the good work. And I look forward to crossing paths and having uh, a toast and perhaps celebrating a, be- a brighter day. Thank you for listening to Open Encounters from Migrants of the Mediterranean. You can follow Migrants of the Mediterranean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you like Open Encounters, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Open Encounters is produced, written, and edited by me, Pamela Kirpius. Editorial and outreach by Nick O'Connell. Music by Giovanni Escalera. To read every story and to donate to humanitarian storytelling, go to migrantsofthemed.com. That's migrantsofthemed.com.